Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I'm starting a new sermon series today, and uh, we're calling it Me, uh, colon, Also Me. Uh, the, the colon's not actually written out, but it's Me, Also Me. Uh, we're starting this series. It's going to be a, a four-week sermon series. And this is an idea um, that I had uh, that, that I just want to share with you. And so I have a whiteboard because there are some fundamental um, things that you really need to understand about this, about this concept. And then we're going to be unpacking it um, over the next few weeks. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen some of those memes um, on Facebook, uh, the me, also me memes, um, where uh, I, oh, I, meant to, I, I meant to have the slides. I don't have them, but Mia, Mia helped us out and posted some on Facebook where, where it's like me, um, I want to lose weight. Also me, the girl shoving a donut in her mouth. Like, I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, you know, me, uh, who am I to judge? Um, also me, you know, there's, there's a picture of um, uh, Simon's, Simon Cowell, you know, the, the, the epic judge. He's just looking back, kind of criticizing, just with his eyes. He just, he just tears you apart just with his look, you know. Um, there's there's the, 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 one, the, the one that Mia posted yesterday was, uh, me, I love minding my own, my own business. Also me, like there's this, this girl with a video camera, you know, like looking through it out at her family reunion. Um, and it's, it's just kind of funny. It's, just, it's one of those funny memes where you've probably seen a lot of them. There's also the Kermit edition. I don't know if you've seen the Kermit edition. It's like the dark me versus the good me, you know. You know, me, oh, what a cute baby. Ah, oh, I want to throw it in the, in the pool, you know. It's just kind of like crazy stuff that you might think, but okay, maybe that only applies to a select few of us. Um, the rest of you are normal, but uh, this is kind of like this, this, this battle, I guess you could say, like between uh, me and, and also me. And so what I want to do is I want to explore this. Uh, it's sort of, it, it was a, it, the, the way sermon series developed for me usually is there's uh, God sort of drops an idea into my head and I think oh yeah that would be something that that I really ought to teach on I really ought to preach on someday and then it just kind of starts growing from there I have this I have this idea in my mind and then it starts growing out of there and I start seeing it everywhere and I start realizing this needs to be an entire this needs to be more of a series like we really have to unpack this for people and um, while I was sort of a couple months ago while I was in this process um, I was driving home from the church office about five o'clock in the afternoon and I pull up to the stoplight and um, there's this there's this car uh, coming under the under the overpass and he's doing the turnaround and it's a it's a nice car, a black um, Cadillac um, STS, I think it was. It's about, I mean, it couldn't have been more than five years old. It had black tinted windows, really sharp looking car. But what struck me as weird, I mean, obviously, you know, a, a, a nice Cadillac is always nice to see. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a nice car. But what struck me as weird was that on top of the Cadillac was a, was a Domino's delivery <laughs> sign, like attached to the Cadillac. And I was like, that's what I'm talking like that's that, that me I'm driving in my caddy with my tinted windows and my, my seats back also me um did you order the medium with cheese and the extra large with pepperoni because that's what I got and I'm thinking what 
Well, like who? <laughs> I'm sorry if that was you, if, if you own the Cadillac. Um, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But seriously, you need a job that can support your lifestyle, okay? You don't need a lifestyle that's trying to catch up with your job. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you know, it's like at some point, it's our, our culture worships perception to such a degree that we, like that car costs more than that dude earns in a month. You know what I'm saying? Like it costs more than he, in the, I mean, this is five o'clock. This is like his main job. He's delivering pizzas. And I'm thinking, man, like, like how, how much is that like us? Uh, in, 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 in what ways is there a me and an also me? In what ways is there this, this, this perception of me that I'm trying to keep up with and the reality uh, of me? And I, and and I do think that that particular moment is, could probably fit into the category of um, somewhat uh, hypocrisy, right? Um, attempting to look a certain way. And so really, I thought this whole sermon was going to be about hypocrisy. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come in there for four weeks. I'm going to blast all the hypocrites in City Chapel. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be like body parts everywhere after I'm done. I'm just, I was just going to come in and slice up hypocrites, you know. And... Uh, and then Jesus is like, no, I don't want you to do that, Harry. That's not a good thing to do. And, 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 and really, as I got talking to people and through 10 years of pastoring and counseling people, I have found that, that hypocrisy is not our main problem. That there are some people that do struggle with trying to keep up with appearance and, and trying to look the part. And that is an issue, and that's something that we will talk about. We'll talk about the need for approval. But, but technically, most people, they're not trying to be hypocritical. Uh, sort of like the meme where the girl says, you know, I want to lose weight, also me. She's stuffing her face with donuts. I always used to think that, well, you obviously don't really want to lose weight if you're ready, you know, to eat a half a dozen donuts. Like, you don't really want to lose weight. But what I have found is that as I'm talking to people, really, truly, it, 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 that's, that's not the case. There are many people that truly, deeply desire one thing and yet find themselves living something else. They deeply, strongly desire, they have a strong urge for a particular way of life. They, they, they have a me, right? And then, and then they just can't seem to maintain it or keep up with it or, or, or do it. And so this, this, this sort of opened up my eyes to the fact that we need to delve a little deeper into this. It's not just about being a hypocrite. It's not just about, well, if you really wanted it, you would go for it. And, um, and it's not just about beating people up over not going for it. It's about understanding the gap between me and the also me. The space between who, who you want to be, who you could be, and who you are. And, and that gap uh, applies to me as well. Uh, it's not just uh, the guy driving the Cadillac delivering Domino's pizza. It, 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 it applies, I think, to all of us in some level, and the Bible's pretty open about this. And so if you, if, if you want to read along with us, we're going to read from uh, the book of John, uh, chapter 1, and we're going to look at a particular individual, and really we're going to spend the next four weeks reading about this individual and his development, his move, if you will, from, uh, from also me to the me. And it's a guy by the name of Peter. Uh, you might have heard of, of Peter. Peter, to me, exemplifies the me, also me uh, syndrome, right? Um, 
How many of you have heard of Peter in the Bible? You've heard of the disciple Peter? Okay, cool. Okay, lovely. Um, if, 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 if you haven't, he, he is the most popular disciple. He's like the one that everybody knows about because he's the one that everybody likes to pick on the most. Um, because honestly, you know, the me also me is kind of an easy thing to... To get, a, to, to get a snapshot of and sort of laugh at. And so Peter is that guy. Peter's the guy who said, I'll never deny you. And literally, just a couple of hours later, you know, me, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Also me, when asked about Jesus or whether or not he followed him, said, I don't know the man. I've never met this Jesus fella. I don't know what you're talking about. So me, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Also me, Jesus who? You know, I mean, that's, that, that's Peter. Peter is also the guy who was in the boat when Jesus is walking on the water. And, and all the disciples are terrified. And Peter cries out and says, hey, Lord. He, he calls him Lord and he says, if it's you, if that's really you, if it's not a ghost, if it's Jesus, command me to walk to you on the water. And so Jesus says, come, come on out. So you have the me of Peter. You know what? I can walk on water. And then you have the also me, literally about 60 seconds later. Bubbles, 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 gargle, 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 bubble, bubble. You know, is, is, is this the me? It's the also me. Why? Because he got his eyes off of Jesus, started worrying about the water. It's, it's, it's funny how you, you, he didn't worry about the water when he was in the boat. But when he was standing literally on the water, that's when he started thinking this thing through. And so the me also me, we see it so much in Peter. But I, but, but I also see a progression in Peter. I also see a movement in Peter. I also see a redemption of Peter and a, and a building that God is doing in Peter. And I believe he wants to do that in each and every one of us. And so let's check out. This is John chapter 1. This is the first time that Peter ever met Jesus. This is the beginning of the story as we know it. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, what he's talking about there is that Andrew, who is Peter's brother, uh, was a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist um, said, behold, the Lamb of God. He pointed at Jesus. And so Andrew and another disciple left John's ministry and went and followed Jesus. Now, after they followed Jesus, Andrew, uh, Simon's Peter, P P Simon Peter's brother, uh, he first, before he began following Jesus entirely, he first found his own brother, Simon. So we understand that Peter didn't find Jesus. Jesus didn't find Peter. Peter was brought to Jesus by his brother. So it's important who you hang out with, FYI, because uh, they're going to bring you to certain things and certain people. They're going to introduce you uh, to certain things. And so Peter's hanging out with his brother, Andrew, and Andrew says you need, he finds his brother, Simon, and says to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That's how Peter got to Jesus. Andrew brought him. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. He didn't need a formal introduction because Jesus knew Simon before Simon was even born. He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone, um, which is where we get the name Peter. So th this is kind of the weird thing about Peter. Technically, Peter wasn't Peter. The early disciples didn't call Peter, Peter. They called him Cephas. Uh, Cephas is the Aramaic 
um, translation of, of the word stone, and Peter is the Greek translation of the word stone, which is why we call him Peter, because in our Bible, our Bible was written in Greek. Uh, but, but, but John wants you to know, hey, his name wasn't Petros or stone or Peter. His name was Cephas, which is Aramaic. That's what they spoke in, in that day. They didn't speak Greek. And so even Paul calls Peter Cephas because that was the name that Jesus gave him. He says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. That's the name, that's the name your dad gave you. You are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you will be called Cephas. Uh, which is translated a stone. You will be called Cephas. And so, and so today what I want to do is I want to break down and, and I want to talk to you about the difference between Simon and Cephas. I want to talk to you about uh, within our own lives what I believe that this, this, this could mean. That when Jesus, I find it fascinating that when Jesus meets Simon, like one, one this, this, like this is the first time Simon's ever met Jesus. And, and Simon's speechless. Now we know as we keep reading the gospels that Simon is rarely speechless. He almost always has something to say. He almost always has something to contribute. But when he first meets Jesus, Simon doesn't say anything. And Jesus, what he does say, I think is so indicative of who he is, is so indicative of the character of God that he does not say, hey, Simon, so um, uh, I am the son of God, right? Are, are, are we clear on this? Uh, he doesn't say, hey, Simon, well, nice to meet you. I'm the Messiah. Here's my official Messiah business card, you know, um, Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, comma, slash. And, you know, it, it, he doesn't try to establish who he is so much. Instead, he looks at Peter and he speaks to to Simon, I should say Simon, I should, I'm going to stop calling him Peter because his name is Simon. He looks at Simon and he sees something in Simon and he speaks to Simon's potential. And right here in this phrase, he says, you are and you shall be. You are and you shall be. You are Simon and you shall be Cephas. You are and you shall be. That, that construct I think is so important. It's so, it's, it's, it's so important to understand that you are and you shall be. You, you, are, two, you are two things right now sitting here in this, in, this, in this illustrious auditorium. You are two things. There is something that you are and there is something that you shall be. You, the, 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 there is the you that you are, but there is also the you that you are becoming. City Chapel is two things. We are what we are, but we are, are also what we are becoming. Um, what we shall be. Uh, at any given point in your life, there are, there are two things, really until the moment that you're dead, and even then you got one more surprise at the end, because Paul says we do not know what we shall be, but when, but when we see him, we will know, because we shall be as he is. So even, even at your dying last breath, there is who you are, and then there is who you shall be. And, and it is living within this tension, I think, that is so important, that is, that is very discouraging at times, that is very disheartening at times, that causes people to quit many times, because they live right there in the middle of who they are and who they shall be. There, there is the me, and then there is the also me. There is, the, there is this tension. And so what I want to do is I want to sort of illustrate this and kind of help, help, help walk you guys through this. I'll do a little teaching, and then I'll do a little preaching, but uh, uh, teaching is just the same thing without as much spit. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to draw a line down here just kind of to help illustrate. Uh, the, uh, everybody is, is a Simon 
and everybody is a Cephas. Everybody is what they are, but they are also what they shall be. You are your reality, but you are also your potential, if that makes sense. So, so over here on this side, we got the real, and my handwriting is not great, but if God wanted me to have good handwriting, he should have done something about that. Um, <laughs> I'll just put it on him. Uh, real. <laughs> there are some things that you can develop too. You're not just born with. But anyway, uh, there, there, there is the real and the potential. There is the, the Simon and the Cephas. There, there, there is who you are and there is who you shall be. And, and what God speaks to more often than not is he speaks to this side of things. He speaks to who you shall be. And so um, uh, just, just, okay, so, so, so here's an idea. Uh, maybe, maybe who you shall be is uh, married uh, to um, a godly spouse. Maybe that's one of your potentials. Uh, if you're single today, hopefully that's, that's if, and if you want to be married at some point, hopefully this word right here is kind of important to you. Uh, this is this is this is the aim. This is the me, right? Me, I want to lose weight. Also, me, I'm stuffing my face with donuts. But but this is the me, and it's important. See, Jesus establishes the me. He doesn't address the issues of Simon's life. He doesn't condemn the problems in Simon's life. Now, he does ultimately. I mean, you know, as as you read the New Testament, he comes to a place where he says, "Simon, who do you say that I am?" Because once God has revealed who you are, then you can start to understand who He is. But initially, he says, "What I want you to know, Simon, is I want you to know your potential. I want to I want to define a me for you." And it's so important that as, as you go through life that you define a me. Many of us, many times, we don't even take the time to define a me. We don't, we don't, we don't have a target. We don't have a goal. Usually because we're afraid of failure. So if we never define where we want to go, we never have to acknowledge the fact that me is very different from awesome, that we are, that there is this big gap between where the me we want to be, the me we're called to be, and the also me that I am. And so, and so what Jesus does is he doesn't allow Peter to get away without potential. He doesn't allow Peter to step away without understanding what he sees in him. And so he speaks to his potential and he says, married to a godly spouse. Now that's, that's, the, that's your me, right? This is, this, is, this, is, this is who you could be, who God could call you to be. And then at the same time, you have this over here, this also me. Uh, and this is, uh, I don't know, where you settle for... Uh, uh, just simply having your needs met. So somebody to tell you that you're pretty if you're a girl, somebody to respect you if you're a guy, somebody to, to, keep, to keep you company, somebody to provide, you know, romantic needs for you. We, 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 uh, I would just say this here, that, that this is where we often live. So we have a desire for a godly spouse, but we don't date godly people because it's too hard to wait to date because godly people, <laughs> well, like, like, like a godly spouse, FYI, is also looking for a godly spouse. 
And this is why it's tricky because, because we settle for people who are looking more for our also me. Because that way we don't have to change much. That way we don't have to fail much. That way we don't have high expectations on us and we won't, we won't fall under their expectations. So we settle for people who themselves don't value themselves very much. And so they don't value us very much. And so there's not a whole lot of pressure on us anymore. But can I just tell you how awesome it is to be married to a godly spouse? Can I tell you how amazing it is just for somebody who, at least in this section of my life, not in every section, but in this section of my life, I have, I've been living in my potential I've been living now now I had to now I had to divorce some of my also me in order to find my potential she wasn't interested in me when I was interested in in in, in this over here but once I found my potential I'll tell you it's awesome it's awesome like like for instance like like, like when we were dating uh, there were times when uh, if you're a married if you're if you're a dating Christian couple and you get closer and closer and closer and closer and you want to get a lot closer <laughs> but you know you can't get a lot closer there are there were some nights when 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 I was the strong one because I'm super spiritual right and so and so I, I would I would just say honey you know you're gonna need see because it was it was tricky because when we were dating when we were courting like 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 like, like we were in a town all by ourselves we were in the middle of nowhere Louisiana working for a ministry there so we had very little personal accountability my family's in Michigan her family's on the other side of the world we had very little personal accountability uh, and we didn't have anybody living around us and so I had this little building that I lived in she had this little building that she lived in and it's tricky because it starts getting late and you know you're you're snuggling and and sometimes and it gets it gets tricky right and so and so there were some times when I was the strong one when I said you know what I think you need to go to your room your building you know and then there were times when she was a strong one and I was like oh you know it's, it's just it's just all good it's just getting you know we're fine and and she was the strong one no I need to go to my room I need to go over here to my building and 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 actually I think it was you who had the idea to buy the hammock um, so finally, Roe had this idea that, 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 that we need to buy an outdoor hammock. One, it's outdoors, so, so we're not going to get into too much trouble because of the traffic. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't want to be on YouTube or anything. So, so we're not going to get in too much trouble just simply because we're outdoors, but also, but also because it's a hammock. And, 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 we, and both of us are very white. Neither one of us are coordinated enough to get in trouble on a hammock. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, we can't even kiss. Like, I just try turning my head that shifts the weight. And suddenly we're like doing this, you know, and it gets real sketchy real quick. And so she, like, so we encourage every dating Christian couple, find yourself a hammock. Because you can actually snuggle without it going anywhere else. Because if you do, you end up on your face on the dirt. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but see, like, see, like, like, like if I would have been dating this, I could not have arrived here. Because this would have drawn me here. Like, 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 like if I would have been dating somebody who was, who, who was a little more open to a few things, there would have been a time when I would have been a little more open to a few things, and I would not have been able to be here. And even, even as a married couple, even as a married couple, it, it's important to have somebody who supports your faith, who, 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 is, who is on the same level as you, who's running after Jesus roughly the same speed that you are. 
Because otherwise it gets tiring when you're, when you're like dragging your spouse all the time. And it's like, well, I think we really ought to go to church. And I think we really ought to do this. And I think we really, you know, at some point it's, it's difficult. And so, and, and so, and so some of us, some of us though, like, like, like we, like we, we see this potential, we see it inside of us, but we, but we live right here and we don't know how to get to there. We don't know how to, we don't know how we, there's, there's the also me that we're living. There's the me that we want to be, that God's calling us to be. But there's, there's the also me. There's, there's, there's several other me's. Like what's another me that, that maybe you have in your life? You just feel free to shout it out. I'll put it up here on the board as long as it's P, PG rated. What's a, what's a me that like you have in your life? At least something uh, financially stable. Okay. Uh, financial, boy. All right. That's kind of right. Yeah, it's cursive. You don't know. It's cursive. You don't know, know nothing about that. It's 2018. You don't know nothing about it. Financially stable. So that's the me, right? And then, then that means enough money to, to be able to pay your bills, enough money if your car breaks down to be able to fix it. That means, that, that means you're not worried about where your next paycheck is coming from. That, that, that means maybe you could survive a few weeks if the paycheck stopped coming. You want to be financially stable. But the also me is what? Oh man, there's a sale on a Target. Oh, come on, somebody. We're preaching now. We're preaching now. You want shoes, shopping. That's not even really that. No, let's, let's, let's just, let's just say, let's just say, let's just get right to the issue. No self-control. There we go. No self-control. I, I want to be, <laughs> so, so, but, this, but this, 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 this is an issue, right? This is an issue. This is, a, this is also me, that we have this me in our mind, and we think, man, wouldn't it be awesome? But oftentimes, see, the way that we get from also me to me is not the way that we think. We think, man, if we just won the lottery, then we would be financially stable. We think, man, if I just got a third job, right, a, a side hustle to my side hustle, I got my side, side, side hustle. If I just add another hustle, then maybe I'll be, no, 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 because all your hustle is going out the window with your lack of, your hustle hustling like crazy and then you're partying like crazy and you're ending up exactly where you started to begin with and it's also me but yet but yet what I love about God is he doesn't judge you he doesn't judge you based on where you are when he saw Peter he saw a guy who was who was very volatile he saw a guy who was up and down left and right he saw a guy who was here one minute gone the next he saw a fisherman and he looked at that fisherman and he said you know what I see I see stability inside of you I see financial stability I see a godly spouse inside of you I see potential in you. I, I, I'm calling it out. I'm not condemning where you are, but I'm calling out what you could be. Uh, maybe over here, I know we have somebody in the house uh, that, that would put down a church planter. Uh, come on, somebody. We got, we got the Chavez's We got to take advantage. We got to pick on them. It's their last Sunday, so what are they going to do? Uh, <laughs> they're not coming back anyway. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> But that's a me. And, and see, I can relate to that because I know what it is to live with that me. I know, what, I know what it is to live with that me. I know what it is to live with that dream, to live with that, 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 that potential wrapped up inside of me. But the also me over here is uh, basically 
Uh, Dennis has been on the setup team um, for just about ever. He's been setting up pipe and drape. And see, and see what the enemy will try to do, the enemy will accuse the also me and tell you that you'll never get to the me because of the also me. So, 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 so Jesus' focus is different. When Jesus meets Peter, he doesn't say, man, you smell too much like fish to be a minister. You smell, you, 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 you stink, dude. Like, <laughs> how's this gonna work out if you walk up in here without your suit and tie on? He doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't condemn Peter's also me. He just speaks to the potential. And actually what happens is, is that as Peter learns to trust in Jesus, he figures out that where he is, is actually a setup for where he's going. That God is teaching you things over here. Even, even over here, you're hanging out with some guy who doesn't even appreciate you and love you. You are learning why you don't want to be with those kinds of people. You are figuring it out. You're, you're, you don't have any self-control. That's fine. And you're learning what it's like to always be in lack and always be in need. At some point, God's trying to get you sick and tired of being sick and tired. So even where you are can be a bridge to where God wants you to be. And while, while Dennis has been setting up and tearing down and helping us at City Chapel build the ministry of God, the kingdom of God, God's also been preparing his heart, getting his heart ready. Because guess what? From now on, dude, like no one's going to ever schedule you for set up and tear down. You are on every week, every Sunday, you are just on all the time. Don't worry. You don't, don't wait for a text from Eddie. Don't wait for a call from nobody. Like, it, you, like it's you and you and you and you and your family and you and like, like it's, it, it's getting you ready. So the faithfulness that you have, the stuff you learn in this season, carries on. And I believe that God blesses, God blesses the effort in this season. I believe God sees every moment that you spend sowing into someone else's ministry. And he says, hey, I'm going to send people alongside your ministry in Big Spring. They're going to come alongside you and help you set up and tear down and set up and tear down and set up and tear and pray over people and walk with people and counsel people and, and, and drive people to church like, like the, the Chavez's were taking Tiffany and, and the Fenton's to church. And, and God, but see, when, when you're sowing, when you're faithful in the also me, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Like, don't fall so in love with your potential that you say, man, uh, until I'm there, I can't, I can't, I can't rest. I can't relax until I'm there. I can't rejoice. I can't celebrate until I'm there. No, you, there, 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 there is, there is an also me that God hasn't rejected. So don't, so don't you put it down. Don't, don't, don't you reject it. Uh, maybe, maybe another me would be, uh, I know, I know as a parent, uh, kids that love Jesus. That's a, that's a me for me. That's a, that's a potential. That's a goal. But also me. <laughs> uh, what's that? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, kids that hate each other. How are you gonna love Jesus when you can't even be nice to your brother? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you can get so discouraged 
right here. You can get so discouraged right here that whenever somebody starts talking about, like somebody's just given a testimony about this over here, and you're like, shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like you get so, you get so, you get so bitter at the also me that as soon as somebody holds out some kind of potential, you're like, yeah, right. No, no, we've tried that. I tried. Same thing. I mean, this, this, okay, financial stability, right? So Pastor Harry's talking about no self-control. Whatever. I have self-control. I have extenuating circumstances that, that, that prevent me from getting here. Right? Because, because money, money is one of those things. Kids is one of those things. Marriage is one of those things that almost everybody gets to experiment at whether they are good at it or not. And the problem is we learn horrible patterns because we all just get to try this stuff. Like it's a game, right? Like, like I mean, like for some reason you, you have to have driver's ed before they'll let you drive a car, but you don't have to have parents ed before they let you have kids. You know what I mean? And so you're complete, you are more equipped to parallel park, which you will never do in your life because you will drive around the parking lot until you find, you're more equipped to parallel park than you are to discipline. It's just because the only, the only gateway to having kids is getting pregnant. Like, and for many of us, that was easy. That was the fun part. That was the easy part. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that just happened accidentally. Well, we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. That's the same thing as trying. You have children and and it's just, it's so, so you learn things that we get to experiment on stuff and we don't know what we're doing. And so what happens is we end up saying, well, I tried that, that didn't work. I tried that, that didn't work. I tried that, that didn't work. I, we, we basically go uh, by the order of elimination. Dumb idea, dumb idea, dumb idea, super dumb idea, really dumb, not doing that again. And, and the problem is there's an infinite amount of ways to mess up. There's an infinite amount. <laughs> Once again, positive, encouraging sermon from Pastor Harry today. There is... Like, and no, no, and, and, like, and, and like, I found this out in pastoring. There's an infinite amount of ways for me to mess this thing up. I heard, I heard one uh, successful pastor, uh, Rick Bazette, I think is his name. He, he talked about pastoring. He said, pastoring is really quite easy. You just have to love God, love people, and don't do anything stupid. So I got the love God part. I got the love people part, but I can't stop doing stupid things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it, you, you would think that would be easy. But it's not readily apparent in the moment what is and is not stupid. <laughs> because all I got is my experience. And so the problem, the reason why many of us never reach the me is because we are constantly operating in the also me in the power of our flesh, in the power of our ideas, in our vulner- our thinking, our concepts, our upbringing. Well, this is what my parents said. This is what I came from. This is how I learned to handle money. This is how I, and, and, and we never move to our potential. See, the key with Peter. Peter would never have become a rock if he had not connected with Jesus. Jesus is the only one who knows your potential. And he's the only one who can bring it out. See, other people cannot see your potential, but God sees potential. Because potential is is inside. So so, so, so if we could go back to that John chapter 1 verse, it's, it's really clear when it says that he brought him to Jesus and when Jesus looked at him. 
technically that's, that's a bad tr English translation because the original word in the original language is not to look at, it is to look in. And there's a difference. Everybody else has been looking at you. Everybody else has been looking at you. They look at your abilities. They look at your history. They look at what you bring to the table. They, they, they are able to look at you. Only Jesus is able to look in you. It's, it, the, the, the original word is em blepo. Uh, it's a combination of two words. Blepo is to look at something, but en is to, is to be inside of something. And so he's not just looking at. If, 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 if the writer wanted to say that Jesus looked at Peter, he would have just said blepo. He looked at him. He looked at, he, it's the same word for, for looking at a sunset or looking at this or looking at that or looking at a sign. No, no, Jesus is looking into Peter. And that's why he sees potential in Peter because he's not looking at Peter, he's looking in Peter. And this is what God does. God looks in to David. He's a shepherd out in a field somewhere and he sees within him the potential to be a king. God, God looked at Elisha who looked like he was just, a, just an assistant to Elijah, but he saw within him the potential to double Elisha, Elijah's miracles within Elisha's ministry. So God looks, God looks in, God looks in a baby uh, in, in a manger and sees not just a, a baby in a manger, but he sees the savior of the world. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He sees the shall be from the very beginning. In fact, the Bible says that he establishes the shall be. He establishes the end from the beginning. And that's why when he looks at us, he doesn't look at us, he looks in us. And he calls forth greatness out of us. This is what I'm beginning to figure out, that, that callings and anointings are not things that come down upon us. They are things that God pulls out of us. It was there all along. The gifting was there all along. The power was there all along. The anointing was there all along. The me was there all along. The potential was there all along. The Cephas was there all along. It was just buried by a whole lot of Simon. It was buried by a whole lot of also me. And that's why nobody, even yourself, you couldn't see it just by looking at yourself. Only Jesus can see it when he looks in yourself. And he sees the potential and he calls it out of us. He draws it out of us. He pulls it out of us. If you want to know a little bit about your potential, just look at who your heroes are. I feel like, I feel like... <laughs> Jesus said to Simon, he said, you shall be a rock. And Jesus said of himself, he is the chief cornerstone, the rock. The rock that the entire church would be, that Jesus is the rock. And Peter was drawn to what he saw in Jesus that awakened something that was inside of him. That's why in 1988, when I was when I was at a, a camp meeting uh, in West Virginia, Pastor James Wright preached a sermon on heroes, and I can still remember some of the points. Actually, eight years old, I can remember some of the points because uh, it was a great sermon, and I'm a great listener. And uh, he was preaching on heroes, and he was talking about heroes of the faith, heroes in the Bible, but he also was talking about heroes in our lives. And the altar call at the end of that sermon was, "I want you to get up and go find a hero that is alive, right, a living legend, somebody." 
who is a hero to you, I want you to tell them that they're your hero and thank them for being in your life. And at eight years old, I didn't have to think twice about it. I went straight to my pastor, Pastor Rusty, and I said, you are one of my heroes. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for serving God. Thank you for loving us and our family and leading us. And I didn't know it, but the reason why I was drawn to Pastor Rusty is because, because there, was, there, was, there was a calling on his life that was also on my life. That I, didn't, I had no idea I was called to be a pastor or a preacher or anything like that. But there was something I saw in him that drew me to something that I didn't even know was inside of me. That God was connecting me with my heroes. With, and this is true of the people that you look up to, the people you admire. There's something in them that is also in you. And it's, and it's resonating. Deep is calling to deep. It's crying out. The, 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 but the difference is your hero has actually exposed it and embraced it and developed it. And it's shining there. It's not, it's no, it's, it's not hidden by the dirt of the also me. The buried treasure in the field has been found and revealed in the dirt of all of this stuff has been washed away. And you see your potential in your hero. And you say, I want that. I like that. There's something about that right there that speaks to me, that, that pulls on me. You know, you know some of what God has put inside of you based on your heroes, based on what you're drawn to, based on what you're inspired by. That's why when I preached a sermon last week on people are worth it, and several of you got the, got the t-shirt and uh, have been wearing it. That's why it resonates with so many people. That's why many people are at City Chapel because, because there's something about the potential that God has brought out of my life that speaks to your life. There's something about the value of, 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 of the individual and the pursuit of the individual and the love that, that is shown to the individual that speaks to you about your calling and about your life. And it resonates with you and it's congruent. It's congruent across every level of your being. It's congruent across every level of your heart. And that's why, honestly, like I was, I was, I was, I was meeting with a pastor this week and, and, uh, he, and, and he and I started the church around the same time and we were just, we were, we were just uh, uh, encouraging one another, you know, praying for one another, um, sharing best practices, you know, this, this program and this thing and this, this has helped us do that. And, and we were just sharing things and, and, and he was asking me, he, he asked the question, he said, he said, he said, how have you broken into the community and grown. And so I said, well, you're going to have to define, what do you mean broke into the, this isn't like a smash and grab job. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Obviously a little more complicated than that. Uh, that's an Ocean's Eleven quote. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I said, what do you mean broke into the community? And he said, well, you know, like outreach, serving people, loving on people, and then, and then growing. I said, oh, those are two very different things. You don't, you don't grow because you do outreach. The church, like, and, and, and I even told him, I, I said, look, if, some, if a church came to me asking, how do we grow? The last thing I would tell him is outreach. Because, because when, when we had 250 people in here on Christmas Eve, uh, we, we, gave, we gave 502 presents away to something like 70 kids, and it was awesome and exciting. And then we had leftovers for our kids, which like, I, I was like, dude, I wish I went to my church when I was little, you know, like presents on Christmas Eve. That's nuts, you know, that's awesome. And so it, it was great. And we showed the love of God and several of those people raised their hands, committed their life to Christ. But, but like one lady and her kid came back 
So it doesn't, it doesn't grow a church. Now, now, it shares the love of God. It changes the perception of people in a community about the church, and that's why we're doing it. Actually, evangelism doesn't grow the church. Evangelism doesn't make the church grow. Evangelism grows the church. Like the individuals in the church. Because as long as you're living for you, you'll never figure out You'll never figure out your potential. See, all of these things have so much more to do than you. Like all of these things are focused on something much bigger than you. You don't plan a church for you. You don't have kids that love Jesus for you because they're gonna go off, live their own lives. They're gonna, you don't, you're not financially stable just for you. You're not, you're not, you're not, you don't want to marry a godly spouse just for you. It's the, it's the community that will be blessed. It's the children that will be blessed. It's the, it's, it's the person that you marry that will also be blessed. You, you, none of this, the more you get away from me, you know, the more you realize the me that God's called you to be. And so that's true with our outreach. Evangelism doesn't help the church grow. It grows the church. One of the coolest Facebook posts we saw recently was uh, with, with, with our, our, our homeless outreach. And somebody posted that since, since she was a little girl, she wanted to do something for the homeless population. And so being at City Chapel, we organized a thing to go out and feed the homeless on a Sunday afternoon. And her and her husband and kids all got to be a part of it. And she was saying how awesome that was. And when I read that, I was like, that, that resonates with me. That, that's powerful to me because that makes, that helps uncover this right here. If it's been in your heart since you were a little girl, it's part of your me. It's part of your potential. It's part of what you used to lie awake at bed at night and dream about. It's, it's, it's part of the me. And the last thing you need to do is let that die. And when you come to Jesus, he awakens that. He speaks to that. He says, you are... Simon, but you will be. You will be Cephas. And I don't know about you, but I wanna I wanna discover. I want I wanna keep moving forward until all that I am is all that he says I will be. And technically we'll probably never actually meet that point until we're dead, which is good. <laughs> because if you ever truly fulfill your potential, if you ever truly realize everything, we always ought to be in process because if we ever truly realize everything, then we might as well be dead because we're not moving forward. But Paul said, I press on toward the mark of the high calling. I press on toward, I push on, I move forward. I get closer to my potential. I get closer to the me that he sees and that he wants from me. And so Lord, Lord, we, we come to you right now and we ask for you, you to speak to us about who we are about the potential that you see in us, Father. May we, may we hear your voice speaking to us. May we hear the voice of the Father speaking to us, speaking our potential, calling out. Lord, may, may we not be so focused on condemning the also me. May we not be so focused on, on our problems or our past or, or our pain or even our parents. I mean, he said, he said, you're, you're Simon, the son of somebody. Somebody called you Simon because that's what they wanted for you. But I'm calling you something different because this is what I want for you. Because this is what I see in you. You're going to have to, 
get out of your parents' house to step into your heavenly father's house. You're going to have to get out from under the expectations of all those who've been around you, who have called you, who've named you, who have labeled you. You're going to have to step out from them. You'll always be most vulnerable to the person that you're trying to impress. And so, Lord, may we, may we step away from trying to prove somebody right or wrong. May we step away from trying to impress somebody. May we step away from that and choose rather to hear the voice of God speaking into us. That, that, that when Jesus next meets Peter, he says, come follow me. And Peter's ready to leave his nets and leave his boat, leave his father's business because he's already found a heavenly father that he is trying to strive for to be obedient to or may we may we disregard all their voices and receive receive the the approval that only comes from you that all of our other well-meaning individuals in our life just simply couldn't give us but you offer to us we take on that role speak to us about our potential or speak to us about than me. May we define it. May you define me in our lives. In Jesus' name.